Shalom, shalom, Boker Tov to all of you. And of course, because it's the season, we say Shana Tova. Happy New Year to all of you. This is Rabbi Barbara Aiello. I am your radio rabbi, and I'm so happy to be with you and uh, celebrating the new year, 5,779. Coming up right next week, exactly one week away, we say Shana Tova Tikatevu. Can you say that with me? Shana Tova Tikatevu means may you have a good year to a good year. Lashana to a good year. Tova means good. Shana means year. Lashana Tova to a good year. Tikatevu. And may you be inscribed or may you be written in the book of life. And that's my wish for all of my listeners today. So Shana Tova. Happy New Year. And we also say happy birthday to the world because Rosh Hashanah, Rosh meaning head, Shana meaning year. The head of the year also celebrates the story of creation. We have lots of listeners all around the world today. Good morning to all of you. So many of you in the Tampa Bay area heard from a lot of you last week. You were interested in whether or not we should, we rabbis should make political sermons during the High Holy Days. Thank you for all of your comments. And uh, to all of our Christian friends, we thank you so much for your consistent support of Israel. Well, our favorite producer, you know what? He earns his honorable mention every week. That would be be Mr. Bill. Good morning, Mr. Bill. Shana Tova. Shana Tova Tikatevu. Oh my goodness, you you're speaking Hebrew like an Israeli. I wow, from the that's. Best. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for your greeting, and thank you for all the things that you do for us, making sure that we're on the air and that everyone can hear us clearly all all around the world and podcast and podcast throughout the week. And of course, to Steve at the Sarasota Watch Company, our brand new sponsor, we say Shana Tova to Steve as well. Today is Sunday, September 2nd, 2018, and on the Hebrew calendar, it is the 22nd day in the Hebrew month of Elul in the year 5,778. And we say Mazel Tov to Tyler from New York, who became a bar mitzvah in Rome just this past week. I had the opportunity opportunity to officiate for him and his wonderful family, and to Jamie and Seth, also from New York, I officiated for their wedding on the Isle of Capri. Yes, indeed, it was just wonderful to be on Capri, as we say in Italian, and to see these two lovely young people um, marry under the chuppah and break the glass. Well, you can learn a little bit more about the services that I offer here in Bella Italia. Also in Greece, just visit my website, rabbibarbara.com, and uh, we'll we'll talk a lot about um, we'll talk about some of those things that I do. But if you'd like to know more, or if you have a child or grandchild who's becoming a bar mitzvah and you or bat mitzvah and you'd like to eliminate the the big party that's becoming almost like a wedding reception in its grandeur. Uh, maybe bring your children to see a part of the world where it's not so easy to be Jewish. We have uh, we offer two wonderful programs, one here in southern Italy, and also another one in Greece. Well, today we will ca- we will talk about the upcoming High Holy Holy Days, High Holidays, High Holy Days. I like to say Holy Days because they are very sp- special and spiritual in nature. September. 9th is Erev Rosh Hashanah, which is the first evening, the first evening of Rosh Hashanah. The first day is September 10th, observed around the world. The second day observed by the conservative and the orthodox denominations of Judaism would be September 11th. Then the next week, September 18th, Erev Yom Kippur, known as Kol Nidre, the long poem is sung and played many times um, by cello, piano, flute. And uh, September 19th is the Day of Atonement, is Yom Kippur. Today we're going to listen to some Jewish music of the season. 
And today our show is dedicated by two teachers who honor Tyler, whom we mentioned, our bar mitzvah boy in Rome, for his wonderful job that he did uh, just this last Wednesday. You can dedicate a show as well to a, um, a, a family simcha, a, a wonderful festival, a, uh, a graduation, a wedding, or in memory of someone who has passed on. And we're going to start out this morning with, of course, a very important song, Shana Tova, right? It says, Happy New Year. The, our artist is Danny Nachmani, Shana Tova. And that was Happy New Year, Shana Tova, our artist, Israeli singer, uh, Danny Nachmani. Nice job, huh? It's nice to listen to the music and to remember that it is a brand new year. I'm Rabbi Barbara Ayala. This is the Radio Rabbi Program on AM 930, The Answer. And we are here every Sunday morning from 9 to 10. So thank you so much for joining us. Or if you are listening on computer or you know someone who might enjoy the show, they can listen to a podcast throughout the week. Just go to my website and uh you can listen as well. Well, we have a, a morning minion today. Minion, of course, is the Hebrew word for uh, ten people minimum. The English word for minimum derives from minyan. Uh, in the Orthodox community, that would be ten men. In the modern tradition, it would be ten men and or women. And uh, our morning minion today has to do with, of course, the brand new year. And I'll be sounding the shofar for you because I mentioned to you last week that the shofar is sounded every morning during the Hebrew month of Elul as preparation for Teshuvah, for turning our lives around, cleaning up our mistakes, starting anew and fresh for the brand new year. As I mentioned, Lashana Tova Vatikatevu translates as to a good year and may you be written into the book of life. It is a traditional greeting during the Jewish New Year season. And another traditional phrase has to do with the shofar. The great shofar is sounded and a still small voice is heard. And uh, based on that, Michael Chosid wrote a wonderful meditation on the shofar that I'd like to share with you. Later in my life, writes Michael, I felt compelled to re-examine Jewish rituals, to find a way to breathe fresh life into them. It was within this context that, if you will excuse a pun, a full-blown passion for shofar arose in me. Now, when I was a child, my neighbor, Mr. Shapiro, blew the shofar for our little congregation in the soybean fields on the fringe of the Chicago suburbs. Mr. Shapiro was a big man with a full beard and a European accent who conveyed an aura of old world Jewish traditions that most of my Jewish neighbors in our multicultural community had lost. I had not yet developed into a religious cynic and the loud noise and the exotic custom of the shofar, well, it excited me. After the holidays, I asked to borrow his shofar, and Mr. Shapiro, well, he lent it to me. I did not ask for instructions, and none were offered. With great expectation, I blew into the horn, and I heard nothing. So I blew harder, 
and then harder still. And I was quickly exhausted. My cheeks and my sinuses hurt, and I had a headache too. I returned the shofar to Mr. Shapiro, convinced that it was very difficult, a very difficult instrument to play, and that the skill it required was way beyond me. Being a shofar blower, I figured required years of training, like being a rabbi maybe. Fast forward 30 years, and I found myself led to spend the High Holy Days with Makam or Shalom, a synagogue in Los Angeles, California. Makam's services offered one delightful surprise after another. Instead of being shushed in shul, I was actually encouraged to talk with the people sitting next to me, to discuss my shortcomings of the past year, and to set out my intentions for the new one. Congregations brought tambourines. They got up and danced when the Spirit moved them. And in the afternoon of the Yom Kippur fast, we had a hands-on healing meditation. And when it came time to hear the shofar, more than a dozen shofar blowers came forward. Oh, you should have heard the loud, wonderful, soulful noise their combined blasts made. I was as excited again as I had been as a kid that very first time I heard that loud, wonderful shofar blast. For the first time in decades, the sound pierced my callous psyche and awoke my sleeping soul. So that year... I purchased a shofar of my very own. To my delight, it turned out to be amazingly simple to blow. Instead of having to puff my cheeks out and huff with all my might, I just had to let my lips vibrate as I exhaled into the horn. Like so many other obstacles in my life, the only thing I had to overcome was an attitude problem and a little bit of ignorance. Well, when the next Rosh Hashanah came, I joined the congregation's choir of shofar blowers. My learning about shofar had only just begun. As my studies of Jewish spirituality continued, I was introduced to the practice of blowing shofar daily throughout Elul, the month leading up to the start of the new year. I began to understand the Teshuvah, the process of making amends for our flaws in character and behavior and for seeking and giving forgiveness takes time. We are given the whole month of Elul to take inventory of our lives and make amends for our errors. The daily practice during Elul of blowing and of listening to the shofar encourages me to meditate for a few moments and consider where indeed to take action to do teshuvah to allow healing to occur. A side benefit of this spiritual practice was that it also facilitated practice of the rehearsal type. At the beginning of Elul, the toots emanating from my shofar were weak and wavering, but with daily attention, the tones became purer and higher on both the acoustical and the spiritual planes. As Rosh Hashanah drew near, my daily practice took on added fervor, and by the final Takiyah Gadolah of Yom Kippur, my shofar and I were ready to blast off. Over the years, I started getting recognition as a Baal Takiyah, which is a Hebrew phrase for a master blaster. I was the master blaster of the congregation. This opened a still deeper level of shofar insight, since people started asking me to teach them to blow shofar. While working one-on-one -on -one with students, I developed the Chusid method that enables me to teach most individuals to get a satisfying toot from their shofarot. That would be the plural of shofar. In as little as five to ten minutes, the rest I tell them is commentary, go and study. For those who wanted to go deeper into the practice, well, I began teaching workshops at the University of Judaism, which is now called the American Jewish University, to synagogue groups and havarot and those st study groups and social clubs and at gatherings in private homes. So far, I have taught nearly a thousand people to sound the shofar and have had a 98% success rate among my students. So, Michael says, how's that for tooting my own horn? Makam or Shalom has formed a shofar corps that visits hospitals, nursing homes, prisons, and individuals who are unable to leave their homes to and we sound the shofar for them. And by listening to and sharing feedback with their class and core mates, participants also deepen their ability to hear the shofar. 
The call of the shofar is imprinted into the spiritual DNA of the Jewish tribe. It is to the children of Israel what the didgeridoo is to the Australian Aborigines, the conch shell to the peoples of Polynesia, Polynesia and South Asia, and the council drum as what it is to the First Nations of North America. It is the technology we use to assemble our community, call to our higher power, and to bring down blessings from heaven. Tradition tells us that we all stood at Mount Sinai, even generations not yet born, when God revealed Torah to us, accompanied by the blasts of the mighty shofar. Those blasts continue to resonate within you and within me, seeking to emanate through our lips so that God can enjoy hearing them again and we can be reminded of our covenant. And that is Michael T. Husid, the Husid Method for Learning to Sound the Shofar, right here on the Radio Rabbi program. Well, it is still the Hebrew month of Elul. Yes, indeed. So we want to be sure that we sound the Shofar every day, and I didn't do it early this morning. I waited for all of you, and I hope you'll take the opportunity to listen now and maybe to listen when you go to synagogue next week. We're going to talk a little bit about what it feels like making our way back to synagogue and um, and being with others, being in the, in the company of other Jews and our community of Jews as we hear the sound of the shofar can be very fulfilling, a very spiritual moment. So I'll make the blessing for you. I'm holding my Sephardic shofar, which is a long and narrow. It's not the curly ones that we see mostly from Morocco or the ones that look like um, kind of curved from the um, bushbuck. Uh, from Eastern Europe. This is from a, an animal called a stembeco, a stembeco from the Mediterranean region. And the blessing is Thank you, God, for the opportunity to sound the shofar and for giving the opportunity to others to hear it. And I'll do the first call, which is attention to Kia. To Kia! Next one is Shavarim. Shavarim is the sighing sound. When we realize that we've done some things we're not so proud of. Oh, Shavarim! The third sound is teruah, the sobbing sound. Maybe there's some things that have happened to us last year, broken relationships, things that where we've hurt someone deeply, and it brings tears to our eyes. The sobbing sound. Teruah. Teruah. <laughs> yes. And then the last one, the last blast, it's the long blast, Takiya Gadola. Gadola means big, Takiya Gadola. And this is the one that reminds us that a new year is coming. We start fresh and clean. Takiya Gadola. Shana Toba Tikatevu to all of you. I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you have an opportunity to hear the entire shofar service at your synagogue next week. Well, in keeping with the wonderful sounds of the shofar and what they bring to us spiritually, probably the most famous of all of the Rosh Hashanah melodies is Avinu Malkenu sung by Barbara Streisand. I know you know it. Sing along. Let's listen.
Our Father, our King, hear our voices. One of the most famous of all, the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur melodies sung by Barbara Streisand. I hope you enjoyed that, and we're going to take a short break. We'll, we'll, we will be right back with you. For over 25 years, Sarasota Watch Company has provided discerning customers the expertise and professionalism they expect when it comes to luxury timepieces and fine jewelry. Sarasota Watch Company carries only the best, including Rolex, Patek Philippe, Cartier, and Tag Heuer. An expert certified watchmaker is on hand to complete all repairs and maintenance, everything from band adjustments and battery replacement to repair and pressurization of dive watches on site. Sarasota Watch Company offers Rolex service in-house for only $350. Only $350 and no sending your Rolex to some factory across the country. In addition, clients are always pleased with Sarasota Watch Company's exclusive selection of the finest rare diamond jewelry. Sarasota Watch Company pays top dollar for luxury watches and jewelry, affording you unparalleled opportunities to find rare, one-of-a-kind pieces on display. Call Sarasota Watch Company today, 953-1315, 953-1315. Sarasota Watch Company, across from Trader Joe's in Sarasota. Thanks so much for joining with us. This is the Radio Rabbi program. It's our special program on Rosh Hashanah. We'll have one on Yom Kippur as well here on AM 930, The Answer. And I have some thoughts for you on Rosh Hashanah. Erev Rosh Hashanah is the evening of September 9th, as we said. That would be next Sunday. And that gives us one more week to get ready to think about synagogue, whether to go or not. And if you do go to Shul, 
what you might find. Several years ago, when I was living on the east coast of Florida, there was a fascinating story in the Fort Lauderdale Sun. It was about a woman, I think she was 55 years old or so, not much more, who was finally reunited with her family. Two rangers found her wandering in a state park, not near, not near Fort Lauderdale, near Auburn, Maine. And what's even more curious, this woman had no idea where she was, where she came from. She didn't even know who she was. But through some steady police work, she was identified, and the photo in the newspaper showed her elderly mother and father hugging and kissing her. Her name, by the way, was Cheryl Tomek. It seems that she had had a bad fall in her condo that resulted in total amnesia. When she was found, it had been 10 months since the accident. Well, about two years later, a little follow-up article appeared in the paper, and it told how her parents' loving devotion and care helped her get her memory back. Cheryl Tomic was so fortunate. She was found, and she was brought back. If we are moved by the story of one person who lost and then regained her identity and her memory, what about the memory who are lost and haven't yet returned. What about all those people who suffer from a different kind of amnesia? The ones who know their names but have no idea where they came from, what they stand for, what is the meaning and the purpose of their lives? And what about the ones that we'll see in our synagogues next Sunday and throughout next week? The ones who fill the sanctuaries to, to the overflowing, the ones who come to services every year, once a year, on the High Holy Days. Now, I know that you know that we all notice them. Even when our ushers urge them to move up, they are determined to sit in the very last row. They seem stiff and uncomfortable. They don't know the songs, and the prayer book they hold in their hands, well, seems foreign, heavy, and strange. These are our temple's Cheryl Tomics. Because these dear ones who tiptoe into our synagogues, so afraid that they might do or say the wrong thing, these people have a kind of amnesia too. Certainly their amnesia is less drastic than Cheryl Tomics, but it's a kind of amnesia just the same. And for them, just like it was for Cheryl, this is their homecoming season. In a few more days, it will be the days of awe when Jews return to the synagogues by the tens of thousands from wherever they've been during the year. We ask, well, what brings them back? And nobody can really say for sure. But it seems to me that people who have been away all year somehow feel a tug, a call to come back like homing pigeons. And they do. But what shall we do with these people when they come to our synagogues and our temples next week? How shall we greet them? How can we make them feel at home? Well, I'm not exactly sure what will work, but I'll tell you what won't. I'd like you to think of Cheryl Tomek once again, lost for months, thousands of miles away from home. And finally, finally, she is reunited with her family. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not think Cheryl would have regained her memory if her family had said, where have you been? Look at the sores you caused us. We kept your condo up for 10 months. We paid the rent and we kept it clean. And now you show up almost one year later, oy vey. Oh, sure, we're glad you're back. But we found that ladder in your kitchen. What were you doing up on the ladder in the first place? You fell off that ladder and you lost your memory. You really should have been more careful. I think if Cheryl heard anything like that, she would have turned around and said to the state police officers, take me back to Maine. Well, there is an old Hasidic story about two traveling angels. One is old and experienced, while the other angel is a new AIT, an angel in training. Anyway, these two angels decide to spend the night in the home of a wealthy family, but the family was rude and refused to let the angels stay in the guest room of their mansion. After all, they had just redecorated the guest room, and these two travelers, eh, they looked a little too scruffy for a room like that. So the family gave the angels space in the basement, and as they made their bed on the hard, cold floor, the older angel saw a hole in the wall, and before they went to sleep, that angel mixed some mud, made some mortar, 
and repaired the hole. The angel in training, the young one, observed this and asked, Why are you doing that? But the older angel just smiled and said, You know, things aren't always what they seem. The next night, the two angels came to rest at the house of a very poor farmer. But the farmer and his wife were very hospitable. Come, sit, eat, we'll talk. They welcomed the two angels, not like they were family. After sharing what little food the family had, the couple insisted that the angels sleep in their bed. You've been traveling. You need a good night's rest. Early in the morning, just as the sun was coming up, the angels found the farmer and his wife in tears. Their only cow, whose milk had been their only income, lay dead in the field. Well, when the younger angel saw this, he was infuriated. He shook his finger at his boss, at the older angel, and he said, How could you let this happen? What's the matter with you? You're supposed to be the experienced one, and look what you did. The first family had everything, and you patched up their wall. You helped them. The second family had practically nothing, but shared everything they had, and you, you, you let their cow die. And the older angel shook his head and said again, You know, things aren't always what they seem. And then he explained to his younger partner. When we stayed in the basement of the mansion, I noticed that a bag of gold was stored in the hole in the wall. Since the owner seemed so obsessed with money and so unwilling to share his good fortune, I sealed up the hole. Then when he looks for his gold, he won't find it. Then last night as we slept in the farmer's bed, I saw the angel of death. The angel of death was coming for his wife, so I had a chat with that angel. She agreed to take the cow instead. So you see, said the older angel, things, things aren't always what they seem. Which means that some of the people who will fill the chairs next week in our synagogues, some of them who've been away all year, have stories to tell, burdens to carry that we don't know anything about. The man with a cold, hard stare may be trying to keep himself together in the face of a terrible loss. The woman shifting in her seat may have been made to feel uncomfortable or unwelcome in some synagogue somewhere else maybe years ago, and she just can't get that embarrassing memory out of her mind. One person may look down, another may look away, Another may look just like some of us did when we came back for the very first time. Who knows what's happened to them that gave them a little amnesia of the soul. So that's our job for the coming week and for the coming Holy Day season, yours and mine. If we know of someone who doesn't know that the Holy Days are upon us, when they are or what they mean, let's tell him. Let's bring her. Let's draw him inside. And if we know someone for whom the Moxor, the High Holy Day prayer book, is a big mystery, sit beside her, guide her, show her so that she doesn't get lost. Because it really doesn't matter how moving the sermons are or how beautifully the choir or the cantor sings. What matters more is how welcoming and how helpful we all are to those who come to join us. Those who come without memories, those who come without knowledge, those whose burdens are so heavy, heavy they come but can't feel comfortable here in our midst. So remember next week when you see your synagogue's parking lot full of strange cars, when your parking space outside is taken and your seat inside is taken as well, try to stifle comments like, where'd these people come from? Where were they all year? And instead, remember two things. Some have amnesia of the soul, and no matter what we think we know, things are not always as they seem. This is the time to put our Jewish ethics into action. We are commanded to welcome the stranger to our midst. And that's not only for the Passover Seder. It's for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, too. Take the opportunity to reach out and touch these forgotten souls. Make the effort. Try so that they are lost no more. That's my thoughts on Rosh Hashanah and the high holiday, holy days. And uh, I hope you uh, will have a happy one wherever you, you uh, decide to observe. Speaking of um, Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah is a joyful holiday. Did you know that? It is the birthday of the world. Yes, and there's nothing better than Jesse Norman and Kathleen Battle, two divas who performed in 1990 at Carnegie Hall. 
He's got the whole world in his hands. as well. Wasn't that powerful? He's got the whole world in his hands celebrating Rosh Hashanah, the birthday of the world. The, uh, we celebrate the creation of the world. That was Jesse Norman and Kathleen Battle. Wonderful diva singing together at Carnegie Hall all the way back in 1990. Just a fabulous piece of music. I hope you enjoyed that. Well, I am delighted to welcome Steve and the entire staff of the Sarasota Watch Company as the new sponsor of the Radio Rabbi Program. I had the pleasure of speaking with owner Steve Shimanov, who opened the, the door to the Sarasota Watch Company for me, and it was remarkable what I learned. I learned, first of all, the basics, skill, dedication, hard work. That's what makes a small business grow, and that's just what Steve and his staff have done. They tap into three generations of, of, of just a fabulous, fabulous teaching and learning. Steve's family tradition of watchmaking and repair serves his customers really well. Now, there are an impressive array of vintage watches. There's also the fabulous Cartier line and state-of-the-art 
Rolex timepieces too. Sarasota Watch Company has what you've been looking for when it comes to beauty and grace, craftsmanship, and style. So what I'd like you to do is stop by Sarasota Watch Company and see for yourself. You'll find these gorgeous, gorgeous Rolexes. Yes, indeed, new and pre-owned. And you'll also see a wonderful collection of classic jewelry from diamonds to one-of-a-kind estate pieces. And every one of them is reasonably priced. Steve says we pay top dollar for jewelry and for watches. And all of our customers tell us that working with us is hassle-free. And that's very important, isn't it? The Sarasota Watch Company is located at 4180 Tamiami Trail. Stop by or call Steve at 941 941- Nine five three one three one five nine five three one three one five. So you heard me say this before, pun intended. Time is right <laughs> for a pre-owned or a new watch or an expert watch repair. Stop by the Sarasota Watch Company, a wonderful family enterprise, and the brand new sponsor of the Radio Rabbi program. And Steve Shimanoff wishes all of you a happy, healthy, and prosperous Shana Tava New Year, and we. We wish the very same to you, Steve. Thank you so very much. A regular feature here on the Radio Rabbi program is the Misha Barak, where we pray for those who are ill and in need of healing. Refuah is the phrase, and that means complete healing of body, mind, and spirit. And you've asked me to say the names aloud for those among your friends and family who are in need of the healing prayer. The Kabbalists, the Jewish mystics, taught that there's greater strength when we pray together than when we pray alone. And today we pray for Nina, Dennis, Rosa Morena, Gary, Pam, Barbara, Victoria, Sandro, Marissa, Michael, Jeremiah, Mickey, Janine, Ralph, James, and Annie. And now say aloud those among your friends and family members who are ill. Say their names right now as we listen to Debbie Friedman of Blessed Memory. The CD is Renewal of Spirit and the prayer is the Misha Baruch.
that was the Misha Barak prayer, the prayer for healing, a regular feature here on the Radio Rabbi program. I'm Rabbi Barbara Aiello, your Radio Rabbi, and this is this is AM 930, The Answer. It's so nice to be with you today. And Shana Tova to all of you. I'll remind you again that I had the opportunity of being the subject of a wonderful documentary, The Secret Jews of Calabria. And it is available for, for to you for purchase on a CD. Just go to my website and you can find it there, rabbibarbara.com. And I would be very happy to meet with your group virtually after they've seen the film. And uh, it's a personal way to connect with all of you. It's cost-effective, too, because your synagogue or your Italian cultural group, your adult ed program may be in your synagogue or church, can enjoy a virtual visit with me. Now, in tandem with the documentary, which is called The Secret Jews of Calabria, I will share some of the, the secret traditions that Italians have been observing and doing over the years and uh, not know, not knowing that they were part of their family's Jewish tradition. And I'll join your audience as your virtual rabbi via the technological miracle of Skype. And I I offer a 45-minute question and answer session as well. So I hope that uh, you'll take a look and maybe want to uh, bring me virtually to your group. Now, we practice saying Shana Tovatikatevu, right? May you be inscribed for another year in the Book of Life. Let's listen once again and sing along and practice that greeting. How about that? Yes, indeed. Happy New Year. A good new year to all of you. And may you be inscribed for another year in the good book of life. That is is your radio rabbi wishing you all the blessings and joy of the new year 5,779. We are a pluralistic program. And what does that mean? Well, it doesn't matter what stream of Judaism you're from. Reform, progressive, orthodox, reconstructionist, conservative, renewal, humanistic. There are two cultural groups, you know, Ashkenazic or Sephardic. B'nai Anusim means your family might have been conversos, Maranos, or crypto-Jews like mine. Are you a cultural, a secular, or even a gastronomical Jew? Time to eat the honey cake, right? We're all part of the Mishpacha. We're part of a worldwide, wonderful Jewish family. As we say to you, welcome home. This is Rabbi Barbara Aiello, your radio rabbi, and we will see you next week on AM 930, The Answer, and FM 103.1 and 93.7. Shana Tova, Shalom Vishalom. Shalom Kaverim. Shalom Kaverim. Shalom Kaverim Shalom Kaverim Goodbye my friends Goodbye my friends Goodbye my 